0: Hello everyone. Welcome back to the Pursuit of Bliss podcast. I'm extremely, extremely excited to be sharing this episode with all of you. So in this episode, I connected with one of my good friends of quite a few years. Her name is Maggie. She's an authenticity coach. And we actually met about four years ago when we both moved to Costa Rica. If you've heard me share about my story before, you probably know that when I was living in Costa Rica, it was one of the lows in my life. It was when I kind of hit the rock bottom when I was like, you know, what? I can't do this anymore. Like something's got to change. And Maggie and I became really good friends. We both moved to Costa Rica around the same time. Um, this was the time when I was drinking all the time, partying all the time, really miserable, broke, unhappy in my career truly just unhappy in my life, and Maggie was in a somewhat similar place as she'll share on this podcast, and both of our lives have completely, completely changed and transformed and turned around in the past couple of years, and so on this podcast, she shares with you how she's made that transformation happen in her life, and we go really, really deep into truly what has been my biggest secret behind manifesting at a really high level in the past in the past year and that is diving deep into emotions and diving deep into the topic of numbing and what that is and how it uh, actually blocks us from manifesting more joy and abundance and love into our lives maggie is an absolute expert on this topic which is why i chose to have her come and share about this she has so much to offer it honestly this episode is so valuable I'm so excited for you all to listen and make sure you listen until the end because we share a lot of tips um, that you can actually go out and apply to your life now to start diving deeper into emotional expression and diving deeper into how to actually show up as your authentic self in your life because truly manifestation is less about learning to manifest, that part's easy. The highest level of manifestation is truly becoming in alignment with your authentic self, which most people have no idea how to do because most people don't know who their authentic self is or how to actually become that version of them. And so Maggie shares how to actually do that, how to step into your most authentic self Uh, how to really move into a space of being open to the flow of emotions in your life with which really leads to a lot a lot a lot of magic so Maggie is such a special person to me she's been such a positive influence on my life her story is absolutely incredible and inspiring and I know it's going to inspire you and I can't wait for you to hear so here she is well, hello, Maggie. Thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited to have you and I would love for you to um, introduce yourself and maybe tell us who you are and what you do.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited. Um, I My name is Maggie. I am an authenticity coach and a recovering perfectionist. Um the work that I do is helping people to rediscover who they are underneath the layers of programming and conditioning that we've gotten without our permission from mm-hmm. living in society. Um, because it's my belief that like at our core, our strongest desire is to be loved and accepted for who we really are and to have that be honored. Um, And I also believe that the majority of our pain and suffering comes from living in a way that is not aligned with who we really are. And so this dissonance between living a life, a perfect life that society gives us of who we think we should be and our actual authentic self, this dissonance causes a lot of pain and suffering. And so I'm trying to close this gap to shed these layers of programming and conditioning from society so that you can shine as your authentic self and you know, show up fully embodied as that person, whoever it is.
0: Mm. Oh, there's
1: so much to dive
0: into there. I have like 10 million things I want (laughs) to ask you. Uh, But before we get into all of that, because we will, I want you to share a little bit of your journey and how you got where you are. Um, Because, you know, for those of you who don't know, Maggie and I met when like three years ago, four years, how many years ago?
1: I think like four
0: Four years ago in Costa Rica, <laughs> and we are both at um, completely different places in our lives than we are now. And she's had an absolutely incredible transformation. So, I'd love for you to share a little bit of how that took place.
1: Yeah. So, like I mentioned, I'm a recovering perfectionist. Um, my whole life, I had a really hard time fitting in. And so I learned at a very early age what I needed to do in order to be palatable to society, accepted by my peers. Um, I graduated magna cum laude. I mean, I got like straight hundred, I think I graduated high school with above a 4.0 GPA, like graduated magna cum laude from college, moved to New York straight out of college, worked in film, got into TFA, became a teacher, was with a steady partner for eight years, like got married, checking box after box after box of what I thought that I needed to do to like have this perfect life. And I thought the more perfect I can make it, the more I would actually fall into this role and make this role my own. And the thing is, is that I was miserable the whole time. I was trying to have the perfect body because this is what I thought I needed. If I had the perfect body, then people would get past, get over the fact that I was weird. And so like Mm -hmm. I starved myself for almost 20 years. I went through starvation and binging, excessive exercise, sometimes three classes a day. I did this for... For almost 20 years, um, I had a severe drinking problem because let me tell you, when you're a perfectionist and you end up having life that isn't perfect, which is 100% of the time, Mm -hmm. and you've tied all of your value and your self-worth to being perfect, it is painful when that's stripped from you. And so you have to take the edge off that pain because we don't want to experience pain. And so I was in just pain. and i i mean my major go to was drinking because for several reasons i wanted connection with other people because i wasn't being myself i wasn't living in my authentic authentic expression i was having trouble connecting with other people and so drinking was the way that i could do that it calmed my mind down it calmed my body down it took me out of my mind to stop thinking about my problems and the more that I drank to get away from my problems, the bigger my problems got. And eventually, you know, I found myself like my marriage wasn't working anymore. Um, I was just drinking all of the time. I was not happy in my job. I was at the lowest of the lows. I gained like 40 pounds. um, The complete opposite swing of my like disordered eating. Mm -hmm. I was just like, a mess. And it's like this perfect life that I had constructed was falling apart at the seams, like just everything was crumbling. And I realized eventually that the pain or maybe the fear of facing the pain that I was experiencing from not living in my authentic form, the fear of facing the changes that I needed to have to make in my life was less than the pain that I was causing myself by drinking Mm. and by being an escape artist basically. And so I decided that I had to make some major changes in my life. And that meant, you know, splitting up with my partner. Now I'm not drinking at all. I completely changed. I was on um, medication for my anxiety and depression. I got off those medications because I had been just using those as a crutch and a band aid. Um, I mean, the past like two years have just been one monumental change after the next. And it's been like a really arduous process. And sometimes I'm like, what am I doing? You know, it's so uncomfortable, these like major changes. And I spent my whole life avoiding pain, avoiding discomfort. And now it's just like, that is my whole expression is like, how, how far into the realm of discomfort can I push myself? I'm today? right there with you.
0: Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's exactly, I mean, we're kind of in similar places in our journeys where. Um, feeling the pain, right? Like the only way out is through. And I think that's the scariest part of changing is changing your life comes right along with feeling the pain that you're avoiding. And um, I know this is a big part of what you teach about as well. And first of all, let me just tell people who don't know you personally and who just heard your story that the transformation that she just described is still understating it. Like your transformation has been in incredible, incredible. (laughs) It's absolutely unbelievable to watch the way that you've transformed over the past couple of years. And I know that a ton of people are going to resonate with what you just shared. I know I do. I know I did. That was just my same journey was checking out the boxes, all the Mm -hmm. things, you know, to have that perfect life based on what I thought would make me happy. So I guess for anyone that's listening and is like, Oh my gosh, like that's me. I've checked up all the boxes. I have the life that should make me happy and I'm not happy know, what would be your advice for, you know, next steps or what were your first steps and okay, I need to change. Now what?
1: <laughs> yes. First of all, you are not alone. I mm-hmm. feel like we get stuck in this like mentality where it's like, well, I should be more grateful. I should be happy. Why do I feel this way? And then we start feeling shame for not feeling fulfillment in our lives when we have a roof over our heads and a steady job or a steady partner. And it's because we have to take a close look. Am I living a life that is mine? Or am I living a life that has been prescribed to me? And so next steps, if you're feeling really stuck, discontent, like you're not living a life for yourself, like you are feeling kind of lost and confused or at a loss for why you're feeling lost and confused, that is a good indicator that You may be living a life that is not your own. And so we've been fed this program of like, you know, you go to college, get a degree, get a job, get married, have kids, settle down, move to the suburbs. This is the way that you like Mm -hmm. arrive in life. This is how you graduate into adult society. And this is not meant to, this is, this does not work for everyone, especially like when you're like taking capitalism. Like working at a job that is not fulfilling to you from nine to five each day is going to leave you feeling drained, even if it does meet your other needs. Being with a partner just because there's security, or just because you're supposed to, or just because you've been together for an X amount of time, does not mean that that partner is right for you. And like specifically in my situation, my partner was excellent. He was a wonderful man, but we weren't compatible in the end. And because all My other friends were dating assholes. I was like, well, I got to stay with this guy because he's so great. But you know, the thing is, it's like, (laughs) he is great, but we weren't great together. And just because like you could have it worse doesn't mean that you need to stay in a place where you're not feeling fulfilled, where you're not checking your personal boxes. So this is an invitation. If you're feeling stuck, if you're feeling out of alignment to stop, looking to society boxes to check and start getting familiar with your own personal boxes. What do I require from a relationship? What do I require from a job? What do I require from the town that I live in, from my community? Asking these questions about what you require rather than what society requires of you. This is how you get more in tune with what your authentic expression is and how you can begin to make choices that are more aligned with that person.
0: Oh, I just got chills. <laughs> <laughs> I got total chills and I mean, I guess to me it sounds a lot like, all right, where are you settling out of guilt Mm-hmm-hmm. um for not being happy enough where you are. Cuz this is kind of how I thought I really resonate with what you said. It's like I had this guilt of wait but I have X, Y, and Z in my life. I should be so happy. Mm -hmm. I shouldn't want more, right? It's selfish to want more. And, you know, I think it's, it's this, what I believe is that we can be grateful for where we are and everything that we have and still intend for more or still intend for things to shift. And so I think that's a huge lesson for anyone listening is you're allowed to want more. You're Mm -hmm. allowed to desire more in your life and you're allowed to desire for your life to change. No matter how amazing it is on paper, you're allowed to desire more um, because we're all so worthy of it. And so I'm really, really glad that you brought that up. And I also want to chat a little bit about perfectionism because I know you mentioned that
1: Mm -hmm. and
0: I know a lot of people struggle with it. So what did that look like for you? And, you know, is that something that you're still working through or how did you work through it for anyone who feels like they're on the same page?
1: Yeah. So, um, perfectionism is tied very closely to authenticity and to shame. So we feel that if we show up perfectly, if we have the perfect body, the perfect house, the perfect spouse, the perfect job, if everything is perfect, then this gives us validation then this makes us worthy of love. This will get respect from our community, from our peers. And the thing is, is that nobody is perfect, period. Most importantly, because perfection is in the eye of the beholder. You cannot, you have zero net, you have negative a million control over how other people perceive you. You have just no control over that at all. And perfection is all in perception. So There's, you have no control over it. You were always going to fail. And it's almost addictive in a sense, like chasing perfectionism. When you land in a place where you have failed at being perfect, you are able to place the blame on yourself. I didn't, I, I failed at this because I wasn't good enough. And this is different, like perfectionism. I want to be clear is different from striving to be your best. Striving to be your best and show up as your best self and give all that you have is different from striving to be perfect, to be faultless, right? And we, when we're striving for perfection, it's because we have inherited and like taken on so much shame for the parts of ourselves that are like we have deemed unworthy of love, that we are trying desperately to cover those up so that nobody can see them, right? And like, this is why, like, (laughs) I don't know, you see, like, it's sometimes the picture perfect, the most picture perfect houses that have like the wildest shit going on inside. Mm. It's like, we're trying so desperately to put this mask on to cover the parts of us that we are so insecure about, that we hold so vulnerably close to us because we've been told by society that they're not lovable, that they're not okay to be seen. And so it's this battle between the two. And the more that we lean into our imperfections, the more that we accept that everyone has them. (laughs) It is like a universal fact. The more we shine love onto those places that we've been trying to perfect over, the more we're able to live and to step into a fully authentic life. Mm So for me, when my, I mean, I didn't really have a choice. Like my perfect castle crumbled pretty fucking publicly and hard. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was humiliated. I was ashamed to share about my relationship ending. Um, I hid it for a long time. I couldn't hide the drinking so much. I mean, I was just like falling apart and it just, you know, I had two choices. I was like, pretend like this isn't happening and keep you know, numbing, taking the, the collective pain off by just running away from it, or face the fact that I'm imperfect. I failed big time and for a variety of reasons, but perfection is no longer, it's no longer a thing that I believe, that I really believe that I can achieve. So it takes like breaking that belief that perfection is an actual thing that is achievable and really understanding the difference between i'm trying my best and i'm trying to be perfect if that makes sense it does
0: yeah. it does and it's beautiful and Um, when you're describing, you know, the pain that you had and you trying to hide it, you know, I think that all of us are kind of just most people, unless you've started to do this, this work, which is difficult. We're all walking around with facades, with these masks, and we're interacting with other people's masks Mm -hmm. and facades. So it's like, do we ever have true, authentic, genuine connections, unless we're actually peeling back these layers and showing up as like, Hey, I am wounded. I am imperfect. I am a mess.
1: But also, so are you. And, you know, Mm -hmm.
0: the thing is like, what I've learned the most from coaching is that every single person has this stuff going on. Everyone has the insecurities, everyone has the fears, everyone has the trauma, and we're all pretending we don't. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But as soon as you show up, you know, like, hey, this is me, like, I am somewhat of a mess on the inside. And we get to love ourselves for being that totally unhealed, unperfect version. Like, that's where all the fulfillment comes from. Like, wait, it's safe for me to be this version of me. And when Mm -hmm. I'm safe to be this version, then you get to be that version too. And then for me, that's where true authenticity
1: is. (laughs) That's the, it's the permission piece. Like that is the hugest, it's been the hugest transformation mentally for me. It's like, once you start showing up as your authentic self, you give others the permission to do the same and you start like the reason we are so scared is because vulnerability is scary and because we think no one's going to like us, but If you've been like putting on this perfection display, people are liking somebody who isn't you. (laughs) So you're not being liked anyway. (laughs) Right, exactly. So once you really just lean into vulnerability with just all the bravery that you can muster, this is when you start attracting people who are ready for you, Mm. who can hold space for you. And it's this reciprocal giving of like space for you to be authentic, and for me to be authentic.
0: Totally. And I think if you truly want unconditional love and fulfillment, what it takes is risking being completely rejected for being your authentic self. That's what it takes. Because you know, maybe that will happen. But the way I think of it is it's like this filter. Like if I just show up as my totally authentic self, like totally weird, totally a mess, whatever it is, and I'm nervous about, I'm going to filter out the ones who aren't a match for me and can't hold space for me. And the other thing that helps me is understanding that I am going to be too much for a lot of people period. Mm -hmm. And I think every single person should be, if you're being your authentic (laughs) self, you are going to be hands down too much for a lot of people. And that is a great thing. It's a great sign. You're going to filter them out because only a certain kind of person can hold space for someone who's being truly authentic. Cause that's going to trigger a lot of people who have their masks fully on
1: and are unwilling
0: to take them off.
1: And that's just a part of life. That's (laughs) right. And that's the, I mean, if you are palatable, to like 90% of people, you're probably doing something wrong. (laughs) You're like, you are, okay, I will, okay, I'll take that back. That is just like a a gross generalization. (laughs) But but we're not designed to be liked by everyone. Mm -hmm. We are designed like uniquely, like, We are meant to be different and we're meant to like have our tribe. We're meant to have people that we're naturally more compatible with. Like it's not a fault of either person. Like there is no shame in someone not liking you. Mm -hmm. And likewise, there's not shame in you not vibing with somebody else. It's allowed and it's expected when you're living in your like authentic expression.
0: Mm Totally. And I think the one of the beautiful parts of this work and understanding this is knowing that when you do get rejected by someone for being your authentic self, or just someone isn't all about it, you get to then validate yourself. So it's an Mm -hmm. opportunity to sink even Mm -hmm. deeper into unconditional love and heal those wounds from childhood that say, I am only conditionally worthy of love if I'm achieving or showing up as X, Y, Z. So I would say within the rejection is the biggest opportunity for healing the biggest. And I think it's extremely powerful, but you have to be okay (laughs) with the pain of the rejection.
1: (laughs) Yeah. That's like a huge point because it's not like it doesn't hurt. Mm -hmm. It hurts. You And that's, you have to be okay with the pain. So much of a, like we're programmed to run away screaming from pain. And if you're not experiencing pain, you're not experiencing Mm gross.
0: Yeah. Polarity. I mean, you can only go as high as you go low. Right, Mm -hmm. like when we numb the pain, which is what I now know, because when Maggie and I first met Costa Rica four years ago, we were both in a stage where we were numbing all of the pain very dramatically. (laughs) And um, as we now know, when you numb the pain, you numb the joy because you can only go as high as you go low. And speaking of numbing, I'd love to talk more with you about what numbing is, um, how we use it, and so people who are listening can maybe recognize how they're numbing in their lives.
1: Yeah. So basically. Numbing is anything we do to take the edge off of our pain. So our really powerful emotions um, poke us. And sometimes we can like see it coming. <laughs> and We're just like, oh, fuck no. And we like reach for whatever we can grab to, to take that edge off, whether it's alcohol, weed, shopping, work, staying busy, perfectionism, relationships, um, anything, sex waiting for that vacation, like holding that dangling carrot, anything we can use as numbing. It's its anything to take the edge off the pain that we are anticipating or the pain we don't want to feel. And so many of us, especially now, are using this because this has just been a wild year. And frankly, you know, some days it's like, how can I just survive and make it yeah. through this day? And so it's taken on many different forms. And the problem with this is, like you said, you cannot selectively numb emotions. So if you are numbing your pain, you're also numbing your joy. And like, here's the thing, like, if you don't have joy, then you have like no bank to draw on when shit hits the fan. And this causes even more pain. So you numb even more heavily. And it's just like a cycle that spins around and around and around. And for For me, this was like, this is the biggest change that I've ever made in my life. And it's had the largest impact on my life is choosing to engage with my pain rather than numbing it. It, yeah, it's, there's nothing else that has been like that impactful in my entire journey than choosing to face the pain.
0: Yeah. It's easier said than done. So, so, so much easier said (laughs) than done. I know because honestly, I feel the same way. This past probably year for me has been the ma- The majority of my focus on doing my own inner work has been feeling the pain that I've been mm. avoiding. And I know back when we met, I was also numbing with alcohol and I was numbing with sex and I was numbing with partying and my social life. And, you know, That all ended and I turned my life around, but now I find myself numbing with work. (laughs) I find, you know, it's like you find one way that you're numbing and then you're like, oh no, I'm good. That one's gone. Like I'm doing good. And there's something else that's taken its place sneakily. And oftentimes it can look like something that is quote unquote good, Yes, right? Like working, (laughs) being productive. It is a good thing. I love what I do but it can become a, you know, I guess more toxic thing when you're using it to avoid feeling something. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think it's really important for people to understand this because numbing doesn't always have to look like drinking or smoking. Um, it can look like something that is actually a positive, um, pattern in your life. And I would also like to maybe chat about if someone is uncovering, okay, great. I realize I'm numbing in this way when those moments show up, how can I actually allow myself to feel pain? Cause if we've been pushing off pain our entire lives. It can be challenging to know how to actually allow ourselves to sit with it or feel it.
1: Yeah. So first I just want to, because I want to go back to the, to work because so many mm. people have come to me. Um, it's like, I'm not an alcoholic or like, I don't smoke weed or whatever. Like, Work is the thing that keeps coming up more than anything, mm. and so I just want to speak a little bit more to that, right, quick, before jumping to um, how to how to engage with pain. I so. It's the thing with work is like, there are many ways that you can do this. So whether you're taking on responsibilities that aren't your own, whether you're a yes girl or a yes, man, whether you are physically staying in the act of working and staying at work to not have to come home and deal with your like shitty relationship or like your whatever to deal with your other problems. There are many different ways that we can use work as like numbing. And the key here is to become aware So this is moving into like, what do you do with the pain piece? I'm, I'm actually doing a No Numb November group right now. And so my first assignment is for the group is to really look like when you feel like you are avoiding something before you even say, I'm going to engage with the pain. The first step is to name it. Mm -hmm. So becoming aware, like when you are saying, yeah, I'll take on this extra project Or yeah, I'll stay a few hours later at work. Or yeah, I'll have that fifth slice of cake. Or um, I'll have, you know, finish the whole bottle of wine. When you're reaching for that, what are you avoiding? And to begin doing research on yourself and cataloging these lists, actually write them down say, what am I avoiding right now? So for example, yesterday, um, I had like a little bummer happened to me and I was like feeling like the feels and I was like bummed and I was like you know what I'm just gonna sit down and bang out like a few work emails and I was like wait what am I what am I avoiding right now it's like I'm avoiding this bummer I am trying to work through my bummer right now and I was like okay so I'm gonna stop and I'm actually gonna think about why I'm bummed and the beliefs that I have behind why I'm a little bummed about that and so before you even get to unpacking the beliefs simply like bringing awareness like What am I avoiding right now? Naming it and start writing these things down. And then when you feel like you have space to begin engaging with these things, that's when you can really start working through the pain. You may begin to notice that, oh, I am avoiding this one thing consistently. Or these things are very similar that I am avoiding, and so once you begin to do the research on yourself, you can gather more information about what exactly it is you're avoiding, so that you can feel empowered to face it. Naming it is like number one. Like, mm-hmm. what it takes is it? The power away. Yep, exactly, and like clarity. It's it's just so key. So yeah, Yeah. that's my, that would be my first tip is like, get clarity, be your, be your own researcher, start gathering evidence on what exactly it is that you are avoiding.
0: Mm -hmm. That is extremely, extremely powerful. This has helped me so much because I know we'd had a conversation a while ago about numbing and I've joined your challenge. And this month I'm tra- challenging myself to not use work or Netflix as a way of numbing. And so I've been taking the moments actually ask myself, yeah, what is it that I'm feeling? And I know that a lot of my pain I'm numbing is around, um, you know, not feeling good enough if I'm not constantly achieving, because when I was a kid, I was always given rewards for getting good grades. I received praise when I achieved things. Uh, and so I learned that I am more loved when I'm achieving And so when I'm not constantly achieving or I'm not constantly reaching a new goal, I suddenly feel my inner child is like, oh my gosh, I'm not going to receive love, like freaking out and (laughs) just feeling really not good about herself. And so sitting with that has been really powerful and something i've been doing um that my roommate taught me she learned from john wineland who's like this incredible incredible coach is when you have pain in your body that you're avoiding um usually we like will clench up or yep. something and it's like just starfish
1: yeah lay starfished <laughs>
0: out and put your focus on your heart and like keep your heart open like no my heart is staying open S- welcome the pain in just starfish and like allow the pain to be felt in your body and at the same time keep your heart open and it feels extremely vulnerable to be in so much pain and be like nope I'm open I'm here to feel it my heart is open to this yes so powerful
1: (laughs) uh I think I saw a picture of you doing that (laughs) yeah I've been doing
0: it like we'll be like watching tv and I'm like wait a second like I'm literally will notice wait I'm using this to numb like there's pain and then I'll starfish (laughs) yeah Um, yeah. So
1: that is like okay first of all embodiment practices like that are so powerful when dealing with powerful. our pain because our emotions are our energy and motion they are messengers to us they are blessings they are communicating with us always and if we ignore them we are missing what they are trying to communicate with us and here's the mm. thing like in all of my research I I found this quote and I can't remember who it is by now, but that we are not, we have this belief that we are rational beings who occasionally feel, but we are feeling, (laughs) we are feeling beings who occasionally think rationally. And emotions, literally there's research, the Nagoski sisters just came out with a new book on burnout. There is research that shows that emotions have a beginning, a middle and an end. And if you do not complete the emotion cycle, these emotions get locked in our body. And so I know that you've heard of like fight or flight and we Mm -hmm. have fight, flight or freeze actually. And so um, this is the body's natural response to danger. And especially now in 2020, like our response has been like on overdrive and without cycling through the process, the natural process without noticing a trigger, responding to it and then releasing we're storing all of this energy in our bodies and it can actually be like, cause real lasting physical illness. So like, for example, if the, if the flight response is triggered and adrenaline is released in your body, it's like a, like a huge rush going through your veins and your vessels, and they're not meant to experience that kind of pressure. And so if this happens for prolonged periods of time, it weakens, the vessels. And in these weak spots, this is where plaque builds up. And when plaque builds up, this is how you get heart disease. Mm. And this is why people who are like chronically stressed the fuck out have heart attacks because their systems are, are not processing stress and stimuli the way that they're meant to, because they are not engaging and fully cycling through emotion. So it is so important. It is like vital to all areas of our health to experience these emotions. There's, it's like, it's critical. It's not just like woo woo. Like when you have time, you know, sit and cry about it. It's like, this is really a whole, like a whole body process that we have to engage in.
0: Yeah, totally. And I love that you brought this to a more scientific level because (laughs) I know that my brain is like, I'm like, wait a second, wait a second. Sometimes I need it to be brought down to that level. And I truly do believe that all illness, all of it, like I don't believe everything, it's just what you're eating and how you're exercising. It has so much to do with, your emotions and how you're feeling because like you said, it's energy and motion. And if we don't allow ourselves to feel it, that energy gets just stuck inside of us. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to manifestation as well, we're always attracting from either our trauma and our pain or we're attracting from our love and our joy. And so when you have all of this unfelt emotion, you're gonna attract constantly experiences to try to force you to feel those emotions. And if you keep pushing them, pushing them down, you'll attract over and over and over these situations that make you feel really shitty and you don't know why. And it's because the universe is like, hello, we want you to feel this emotion so it can leave and you can mm-hmm. have more joy and love <laughs> in your life. <laughs> but if you're not willing or ready to do that or you don't know how, you continue to attract the same the same patterns. Yep. Um, and it can be really frustrating. But, you know, the answer to that is, all right, how can I sit with the discomfort? How can I sit with the emotions? How can I sit with what's coming up and allow myself to, to feel it? And I think the biggest key to life is um, like, you know, when we're able to truly surrender to life it's really just this i'm no longer afraid of feeling pain i walk mm-hmm. in i'm surrender to whatever life throws at me because i know that even in the darkness even in the pain it's making space for more joy
1: <laughs> yeah a hundred percent like and the thing is is like i know that you can attest to this too pain is so scary Mm -hmm. and we think that when we open up to it we think that when we open up to these challenging heavy emotions that they're going to consume us and then we'll lose ourselves in them Mm. but when you actually starfish it out let yourself cry you find that these cycles of emotions are actually quite Ah! brief If you are not then feeding the thought, if you're not then like listening to like Elliot Smith and like the saddest songs that you can come up with, like when you're like breaking up with somebody, if you're not feeding it more energy, then the cycle of emotion is really brief talking like 10, 15 minutes. If you actually engage with it when it comes up now, obviously like if you have like decades old traumas that you're working through, it's going to take like multiple five to 10 minute to 15 minute sessions and often like really long times to sit and work through these emotions. But if there are things that are coming up daily and you really allow yourself the space to experience them, it's only going to last for a few minutes. You don't Mm. lose yourself in it. And that's part of like the beauty of this is like you have to accept the discomfort. And this goes for both like really positive and really negative, well, quote unquote, challenging emotions like with the joy too. I don't know if you knew this, but there, there are statistics that show that a really highly joyful experience is just as likely to cause a relapse in a drug addict as a really negative experience mm. because it is this fear of losing joy, of, of wanting to hold it, stranglehold it so tightly that we don't lose it, that you can't even enjoy it, yeah. that it triggers an unraveling too. And so it's this, this acceptance that emotions are going to come and they are going to go and allow them to flow in and out of your life, accept the impermanence of it mm-hmm. and and just rest in that.
0: Yeah. What I'm, I just got chills again. Oh, so <laughs> many chills every time you're speaking about this. What I'm getting from this really is that, you know, you don't become happy by trying to feel happy um, you become happy by non-resistance to the present mm-hmm. moment and allowing life to just fully penetrate <laughs> you. And that's when the joy naturally comes, but we're not, you know, but I think there's just like misconception that, Oh, I shouldn't feel sad. Like I should feel happy. So I should go do something that makes me mm-hmm. happy. When in reality, the path, the happiness is through the sadness that you're mm-hmm. avoiding. And, um, on the topic of this, you are saying it's like five 550- five, 10, 15 minutes, we were supposed to record this podcast last week. And I woke up and was like in this extreme state of grief and sadness, like all these emotions were coming up. Um, and I honored them and we rescheduled and I went to the beach and I cried my eyes out for about 20 minutes and then it was gone. Yeah. And, and then I was the next day in a state of like extreme joy because there's the polarity and it's like, sometimes when it shows up, it can feel so overwhelming and like, it's the end of the world. Mm -hmm. But if you just allow it to be there, it truly is it passes. And it truly mm-hmm. can be like 10, 15, 20 minutes of just being present with it. And then it's like this, the joy that comes after is you you, you don't know how good you can feel until you've gone low first. Yep. Um, truly, I believe that.
1: And I think it honestly, like, Kristen, I don't know, maybe I'm like making this up. But I think it once you actually get in this practice, it requires less energy of you to just mm-hmm. get into it, than to pretend put your perfect face on and pretend like everything is fine all day it takes an extraordinary amount of energy to show up as somebody that you're not yeah to put that makeup on and and to stick to the script Mm -hmm. like I think Denzel Washington had a quote he was like if you don't lie to anybody you don't need to have a good memory like you don't need to remember anything (laughs) you know like so I mean, if we just show up as ourselves, it takes so little effort to remember. We don't have to like think about who we're supposed to be. There's less burnout. Exactly. And if we just allow ourselves to experience these emotions, to be raw, to not, to be imperfect basically, Mm -hmm. right? Then it's so freeing. It frees up so much energy. It is actually the easier path, the path of less resistance. Resistance. yeah.
0: Definitely. And it's also part of this is rewriting those beliefs that so many of us are programmed with that says, especially um, you know, as woman is you're not going to be loved if you're overly emotional.
1: Mm-hmm, um,
0: mm-hmm. at least that was my story. That was my story is you're not going to be loved to be overly emotional. You're going to push people away. It's desperate. It's clingy. It's, you know, people don't like that. And when you allow yourself to be all the things that you were told not to be, and then you love yourself and you validate yourself in the midst of it. Like when I'm in the midst of feeling my emotions and I'm a hot mess, crying my eyes out on the beach and I can still be like, you know, Kristen, I love you. You're doing amazing. I'm so proud of <laughs> you. Those are the moments that change everything. Like people want to know how to like manifest all these amazing things. This is the real shit. Like love yourself in the midst of the hot mess. Like those are when the, the limiting beliefs and the stories get shifted.
1: <laughs> yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah, It's, I mean, and especially when you haven't done it before to like, look at yourself, like snot running down your nose and you're like, I love you. Yeah, I am so proud of you. It's like, <laughs> You know, it is it's empowering and you're going to laugh at yourself honestly there's some joy for you too you're like holy shit what's happening right now totally Totally. yeah it is like it is a life-changing practice to to open your arms up to yourself no matter what
0: yeah definitely and so I'd love for you to share a little bit more of you know what kind of coaching that you do um and in what way you help your clients to I guess move through these experiences
1: Yeah. So like I said, like my key focus is on authenticity because I believe everything sort of branches off from there. Like when you are living in your, and this is like, I know that you like weave this work in with um, your manifestation as well, because like when you're living in authentic alignment with yourself, you become a master manifester Mm -hmm. because you become attunedly aware of what your desires are. You are living and making choices that are in alignment with yourself. And so For me, the way that I help my clients is I really help them to unpack their belief set, to see where their beliefs are coming from, because many of them have been imparted without our fucking permission. And we are walking around with these things, making decisions based on these beliefs, these repeated thoughts that we've gotten programmed into us over time. And so it's no wonder that we're living lives that are out of alignment because these beliefs are not our own. And so really stripping back the layers of programming and conditioning and seeing what are my values? What do I want? Like pie in the sky, if I could dream it up, not what I think that I can make money off of, not what I think, you know, I want my partner to look like, like what is your dream? Getting really, really clear on that, what your values are, and then creating outside of the box steps to get there. So like so much of the work that we do first is emotional work. It is like getting down and dirty with your emotions. It's facing past traumas, past stories that have been built up over time. Because like I come from one of the most like loving families out there. My parents were incredible. But I still have a whole shitload of like limiting beliefs that I got from living as a child with parents who are doing yeah. the best that they could do and so it's taking a look at all of these different influences in our lives how they've programmed us and where there's a disconnect because there are some you know for me there are many beliefs that my parents have that do align with me that I still hold very true that are my values but there are some that are not and you have to know and and make the decision to change your belief set. Once you change your belief set, your whole life changes. Mm-hmm. It is miraculous. And this is like, again, key part of the work that I do is like getting people clear on who am I? What are my beliefs? Because the you can be anyone on any given day. We're not meant to be like, you know, I am a carpenter. I am a like entrepreneur, like we put ourselves in these tiny little boxes. We're meant to be fluid expressions of our authentic self, whatever that is on any given day. And so it's the beliefs, the beliefs that we need to work on so that Mm. we feel empowered to make decisions that are in alignment with whoever we are showing up as. So that's really the core of the work that I do. I love to do like embodiment practices. I love rituals. I love tarot. I love astrology. I like pull in all these different modalities, including like hard science. Fact research with behavior, like behavior research tools to create lasting impact to reprogram the subconscious mind so that you can be operating from a place that is in your most authentic expression.
0: Yeah. I love that. And everything you're saying, I mean, you and I are both living proof of what this stuff does in your life, right? This is, this is the real work. And this is what I would say about manifestation is it's less learning to manifest. It's more unlearning all the other bullshit and Mm -hmm. like- becoming in alignment with your highest self, with your authentic self, that is, like you said, the highest mastery of manifesting in your life. So anyone who's listening to this and alliance with what we're talking about, I highly, 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 highly recommend you reach out to Maggie because she is absolutely <laughs> incredible. And this is the life-changing work, you guys. This is the life-changing work. If you want to change your life, this is it. Like it's not, I always say it's not all rainbows and butterflies. And, mm-hmm. and this is the work you get to manifest rainbows and butterflies, but. Yeah, be willing to go deep and it's so important to have someone there to guide you because it can be very difficult, almost impossible to do completely on your own. So for people who are listening and are like, Maggie is amazing. I want to <laughs> learn more about her and I want to work with her. Um, how can they find you? Um, how can they work with you?
1: Yeah. So you can, I'm on Facebook and Instagram. My Instagram is life. So it's L I F E A C A C H E T E. Um, Yeah, I post all things about like my transformational journey. I post like daily tarot readings to my stories. What I'm obsessed with. Yeah, I love them. <laughs> They're so fun. Um, I try to share a lot of actionable content that you can take away in your own life. So I would love for you to come check out my page. Um, and if you're interested in diving deeper with me, um, I have space for a few more one-on-one clients, um, and I would love to get on the phone and talk with you about how I can better serve you. So again, reaching out to me on Instagram is a great way to do that. Um, Yeah.
0: Amazing. Uh, (laughs) Well, thank you so much for being here. That was incredible. I'm sure you have a ton of people reaching out. And um, are there any last words of wisdom or anything that you feel called to share with everyone before you go?
1: (sighs) I mean, y'all, this work is, It's not a choice in the end. You, you can't run away from it. You cannot push away the pain indefinitely. It will catch up with you. And the longer you wait to engage with the things that you're trying to avoid, the more chance that, you know, you might wake up in the hospital one day or with some sort of illness, like this is urgent. Your, your emotions are urgent messengers. They are begging for your attention, begging for your time. And, I promise you, while it is uncomfortable and it can be scary, it is safe. As Eckhart Tolle says, the now is almost always a benign place to be. And this is so true. If you just give yourself the space to engage with your emotions, I promise it, it is the path that leads you to where you want to go. Mm. So, Yeah.
0: That was beautiful. I got chills again. (laughs) Thank you. And um, we'll put all of your information in the show notes for people who want to reach out and connect with you and say hi. And um, thank you so much for being here. That was was just so amazing.
1: Thank you, Kristen. I love you. Thanks for having me. I love you
0: too.